whether we're talking about business, wellness, travel, or relationships. I've always thought age is just a number. Welcome to Ageless with me, Cynthia Raleigh, and my daughter, Kit Keenan. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Ageless. So I'm sure you can hear in my voice, I am going through a little bit of a cold, but today we have a very exciting episode for you all. We have the founder of Midheaven Denim, Catherine Brolin, on the podcast today. Catherine and my mom have collaborated a bunch since she started her business And they have created some incredible pairs of jeans and jackets and fun denim stuff. But Catherine started Midheaven with a focus on sustainable denim for tall girls. And now she has expanded to a bunch of different types of denim for all body shapes and sizes And today we talk about the collaborations that have occurred between my mom and Catherine and starting a denim brand, how difficult it can be to start a denim brand and sustainability in the world, trends in the denim industry. And it's a really fun episode. So I hope you guys enjoy. And as always, let us know your thoughts. We cannot wait to hear them. Just as a little intro to you and the brand, we want to know why you started Midheaven and kind of like a little spark notes of the about. Okay. Well, I started Midheaven kind of based on a need. I was a model for a long time. I was working in LA and I was finding that a common topic of conversation with a lot of the girls that I was in these casting calls with or dressing rooms with was where people would get their jeans that were long enough um, for taller women. Because I'm 5'11". A lot of the girls that I was working with were over six feet. And this was back before the crop, like vintage Levi's, like crop thing was like very in. This was like, where did you get your 38 inseam jeans? Because it just wasn't available. And so I started to put together this idea of what it would be like to start just purely a denim company for taller women. And I knew nothing about manufacturing, production, none of that was something that I had in my toolbox. But I started to kind of like write my little very minor, very kind of like, you know, just first thoughts at a business plan. And it just so happened that my neighbors two doors down were in the denim business for 30 years. I had never talked to them before. I was walking Mm -hmm. by their house one day and she kind of waved at me and said, I've always seen you and I don't know your name, but I would love to, you know, invite you in for a cup of tea because I'd lived next to her for five years, we'd never spoken. So so I go in, I'm sitting there talking to her, I kind of gave her like my first thoughts. I was like, I'm thinking about starting a business because I want to transition out of modeling. I'm, you know, I think I want to, you know, kind of go into business. And this is what I'm thinking. And she said, well, it turns out I've worked in denim for 30 years, and I can introduce you around town. It was like one of those God moments that you were just oh like, gosh. this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Because why today? Why her? And so she did. I jumped in her car. We went downtown. She introduced me to her wash house, to her old, you know, manufacturing, like production manager, her pattern maker, great fabric resources. I mean, just everybody that she was affiliated with before. And if they were out of business or weren't doing the same thing anymore, they were always able to help me like get connected to the next best person. Mm-hmm. So I just, in a moment, had like this incredible Rolodex of people. Yeah. So, so crazy. It's funny because, well, first off on the 38 inch inseam thing that you were talking about, one of my friends, Chelsea, if anyone who's listening knows Chelsea Vaughn, she is over six feet tall. And she's always posting like the second she finds a pair of jeans that is long enough for her, she will like promote the brand like crazy because she can't ever find pants that fit her. And I feel like for me, it's kind of the opposite because I'm so short. So like I have to get every pair of pants hemmed because nothing ever fits me. 
my mom like helps me have a lot of pants. But <laughs> I just wear really high shoes with my Yeah. Pants. It's a good problem to have because it's better to have the fabric there to take away than to not yes. have the fabric there. I mean, it was just like this idea. I was like, I don't know how this is going to go. I don't know if anybody's going to care about this. But this was about, this was when social media was just starting to sh- to take shape as a place that you could launch a business without any know-how like whatsoever. You could make a product, put it out there and people could buy it. And now it's like a very different deal. There's branding, there's more like your Instagram page has to be like the billboard reflection of your brand. But I just on my personal Instagram just posted one sample and I said, anybody like this? And like, literally within like a couple months, I was totally sold out of this, you know, I mean, y'all know about minimums and you have to produce a lot of product. You can't just produce like one pair of jeans or five pairs of jeans. You have to do, you have to commit and do like a full production run. So I started, I kind of perfected my, my first sample and then did a, you know, a run. I think it was like 120 pairs, which was huge. It was massive. And then I did three more. And within a couple months, we were sold out of them. I was like, okay, clearly this is something that people want, not just me. But I better get like much better at this. I better have a much better know-how as to like how to bring about a product without driving myself insane or other people insane and actually like produce quality stuff. And so that's how we that's how we started. I really truly think that it's the best time to start something. I mean, yes, the branding is important and that can sort of evolve over time. But I love the fact that you were just like, there's a need in the market. I met the, you know, the right people to help me mm-hmm. and I'm just going to do it, you know? Yeah. And I think you do it like we were talking about the other day, you do it in small quantities and lower risk and just put it out there. And I think that's what everybody should do that. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, I honestly, I think you kind of chose one of the hardest businesses <laughs> to you get. How many times I heard that in the beginning? I heard so, so many people really said hard. And people said, I remember this the husband of the person I consider my early mentor, that woman I was sitting down talking to, he said, who was also kind of my mentor in a way, but he said, You're going to spend $200,000 starting this business for sure. And I was like, What? <laughs> yeah. No way. I was like, no way. Watch me. I'm going to spend, we're going to spend X amount. It's going to be way less than that number. And I'm going to do it. It's going to be great. And then I started to see that it's not just 200 rivets that you're paying for. You have to, you have to buy 10,000 of them. Like it's the minimums that really creep up and all, you know, and so I can see why people get to that number really quickly, but that's what it is. It's like how to keep your quantities down. So you're not just totally stuck with so much inventory without a way to sell it. Because when you're new, it's not just about bringing forth a really great product. It's about making connections and having the vehicle to sell that product. And if you don't have a showroom yet, if you don't have a big following on Instagram yet or whatever your your path is, you know, it's really tricky in the beginning. It's literally yeah. gifting a pair of jeans in hopes for a post about it means so much, you know, because it's money that you're just giving away. I feel like that's why it's kind of like, it's not like you could just produce this line that you're like interested in and like see if people buy it. Because I feel like a lot of times when you get, like you end up getting stuck with stuff, mm-hmm. stuck with inventory, like you're saying. But like, I do think it's really interesting that you posted the jeans, like your first sample. And then you could tell from there that your audience was interested in the product. And I think that's kind of like a more informed way about like about going about this, because obviously, even if you just have a smaller following or like just your friends and family follow you on Instagram, if you make a post about a product sample that you've made and people show interest in it, it's kind of like a sample size, like how, you know, huge companies like Coke or Pepsi do those like taste testing room or whatever, you know? Yes. Denim is very, very hard. And I know that now I didn't when I was starting, but I, I, I obviously know that now. And I would say that to anybody who wanted to get into denim. That being said, 
I always felt like if you did something really special and marketed it to a niche, that you were going to have greater chances of success. I knew that when I put it out there that I was going to make a pair of jeans and I had no intention of setting out to be like the denim, the biggest denim brand in the world. I really just wanted like my friends who were tall to have something to wear that we could all talk about and have fun with. And I really like, that's how I started it. And I still feel that way. You know, I get emails from people who are like, Oh my God, thank you for making this like Valentina jean 38 inches. Like I'm so happy. It, it just makes me happy. But like I knew that all of the people who didn't care about the the long jean thing were just going to scroll right past, but the people who did were going to share it and they were going to call their tall sister. Or they were going to call their, you know, their aunt who was tall or like they were going to buy it for their daughter just because it's so rare to have a company that just markets to tall women who only do one thing. Mm-hmm. So I felt like if my intention is not to make a million dollars in the first, you know, like I didn't have any intention of like becoming the biggest or the most successful or the richest or anything like that. I just wanted to focus on making like one quality product and going slow and making sure that I was understanding really how to make like, you know, good quality stuff as opposed to quantity and just like cranking out styles and making sure that I had the most and the best for everybody who wanted to shop, you know, which is very tempting. You want to make something that everybody can shop, but at the same time, you know, that might compromise your messaging a little bit and people might, it might get muddied and people might not know where to put you. So yeah, putting that out there was kind of a way of being like, tall girls pay attention. Everybody else just sit tight. <laughs> sit tight while we... Until, until dun, 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 we did our collab and now wow. we is are doing denim for not as tall women. Well, but the, the reason why... You know, when I'm saying denim is hard, it's really, really hard. And I've been making clothes a long time. And when I saw your denim and and wore a pair, I was like, this is the best there is. Like, I just love them. And so you were kind enough to say. Do you know how trippy that is for me? Do you have any idea the fact that. I get to do this with you and and collaborate on really interesting, cool, creative, punchy, fun, eye-catching product with you is a dream. And to be able to do it so early in in terms of like the lifespan of this business is really an amazing honor. And I, and I, I don't take it lightly. I'm, you know, it's, it's really fun to, you know, the, the whole, you know, us marketing to tall women thing started to expand outside of that when we opened our store in Malibu because we were starting to see that everybody who came in was coming in with somebody who was not tall. And so we started to do regular inseams too. So it was like, yes, tall girls are our cornerstone. That's our bread and butter of our business. That's the cornerstone of what we do. But we also want to provide jeans for the non-tall girl too. So, you know, we were always going at this, you know, pace of let's create timeless, beautiful, like not too eye-catching denim, something that you can pair with a really fun statement top or like big, you know, oversized, like amazing statement jacket or something, but always like very subtle and like very, you know, it was about the silhouette and it wasn't so much about like the print or the color, anything like that. When we got to do our first collab with you with that amazing tuxedo stripe down the side and it wasn't even that crazy it was just that that effect of just having you know two different tones of indigo on one jean I was just like all of a sudden like my brain just went it was like there is so much to do and so much that we can have fun with and play with I mean the black and or the dark navy and white stripe jean that we did was just like I feel like I've been torturing you with all these ideas, like the dip dye. That was the, I that might have put you over the edge a little bit. <laughs> no, because I know it comes from your brain and your brain. I told you this the other day. I was like, how do I get just like a little piece of your brain? Just borrow it for a day on fire. It's so amazing. I love it. I want to know where the name Midheaven came from. Midheaven came from. I was sitting, I was, I was trying to think of a name and I was wanting to use heaven in the name because 
it's hard to market my company as a non-tall girl company anymore because it is for tall girls, but it's also not for, for, for the non-tall girl. But in the beginning, it was purely for tall girls. And I wanted to use the term midheaven because, um, or heaven rather, because I just loved what that like represented, like striving for heaven. And I was like, I wonder if there's like a word with, with the name heaven in it. And I, and I just came upon midheaven and it wasn't trademarked yet. And I was like, well, what does this mean? It was an astrological term. They use it in like astrology. And it basically means it's the highest point the sun reaches as it's going across the sky. As you're watching it go across the sky in the day, the highest point it gets to in the sky, that's the midheaven. It had never been used in fashion before. And I just thought, what a cool term. And and so I got myself a trademark and just kind of got rolling from there. It's such a good name. It's Thank such you. a good name. Thank you. It's very emotional for me. Like I love it. It creates like a lot of emotion in me. I'm like, ah, oh, midheaven, like strive for your own midheaven and hold your shoulders back and be confident, be proud. Like it's, it kind of, you know, it fits for me. But in the beginning, when I was kind of shopping it around to my various family members, I was like, what do you think of the name midheaven? They were like, no definitely not that name that name's terrible and then you're like well I'm using it and that's the name of my company now and now they're all kind of like it was a good name good job oh my gosh I want to ask you what you think the trends in denim are going to be for next year oh my god I think that the person to your right will be able to answer that question (laughs) better than I ever could. I just think people are playing a lot more with their jeans. It was, I think that it's kind of becoming a little bit more elevated. The style is becoming more elevated again, which I really love. At least out in California, it was like the less denim you can have on your jeans, the better. People were just ripping them to shreds. Very, very high rise jeans and all of that. I love all that. It was really fun and expressive. But now I feel like it's it's kind of switching back to people want to look maybe in response to COVID, people don't want to look like they've just been like kind of burnt out at home and and people want like a nice, elevated, clean, beautiful pair of jeans, but they want it with some funk on it. They want it to be to have personality and some fun. So that's why when Cynthia, when you wanted to do um the rhinestones, I was like hell yes this is exactly <laughs> right low on. yeah low rise you see the rise coming back down again which is so fun and I'm so into it I love a good low rise pair of jeans and also you know the 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 bell bottom I think is like very much back in my mind it never left I love a good bell bottom pair of jeans but I definitely see it coming back now do you think it's funny that I see Men are all wearing like skinny jeans and women are wearing flares. It's just yeah. kind of funny. Yeah, the low rise, I'm I'm really kind of into those and I'm really into the rhinestones. But it was funny how that idea sort of came around, you know, when you and I were first talking about it. I was in Illinois visiting my parents and my brother and my brother's wife was we were in the garage and and I said, what is this pile of jeans here? What are you doing with these? And she's like, oh, I'm getting rid of these. They're all like, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. And they were all fully encrusted. I don't even remember the brand, like True Religion or something like yeah. very Y2K. And I was like, hold on a second. You need to pack a box, pack these in a box and send them to me. And she did. And it was so, it just seemed so fresh, even though they were vintage, you know, that idea of really sexy, really hot, low rise, embellished. Well, it's funny where people consider like, you know, a sexy silhouette, you know, it changes all the time. But if I look at a low rise jean from like the late nineties, early two thousands. It's so sexy. It's like, it does the best thing for somebody's body. I'm like, I love playing with that. I love what'd you say? You mean booty. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. I totally disagree with you guys. I don't know. I like totally respect the low rise trend that's coming back and my sister loves low rise and it's like 
making a resurgence. But I just think personally, like low rise jeans do not look good on me. And like, I feel like the whole denim, like trends in denim, it's really about like what you look good in at the end of the day and like what makes you feel good. Because like, I know I will never be a low rise girl. Like I'm just not going to do it. If (laughs) if the waistline is coming down, like I'll do mid rise maybe, but I'm not going to do low rise. And like, I love high ultra ultra high rise jeans like the flare ones that you guys have have been doing like those are incredible and I'm obsessed with them but they need to be like higher rise on me I don't know I think your eye has to be challenged you just want like to me something that's almost like so shockingly not ugly but just different and then you evolve that idea into something more Mm. fresh and modern and relevant. But like, I think you have to almost like shock your eye first and then go, oh, okay, wait, let's interpret this. And that's what this idea of like shocking the eye and kind of creating something beautiful out of something that might seem ugly to start. That's how you kind of create a new trend or create a new style is thinking outside of the box and doing something that like maybe isn't so quote unquote normal or acceptable at the time. I think that that's absolutely right on. And it does take time to, for that to, I don't want to say trickle down. I want to say like ripple out because, you know, you do have this, like, I mean, y'all are in this high fashion, high art, high creativity, like high frequency environment. And so, you know, it's very different than I'm sitting here in Atlanta. And a lot of my family is in like the outside, you know, the outskirts of Atlanta, and going to different communities in like a not so highly charged high frequency, like artistic environment is really interesting, because you see the ripple out of fashion. And a lot of a lot of the things that we're doing now might not be so attractive to somebody in, you know, I hate to like, you know, say say any like one specific place, but a small town, a smaller town, you know, and you see the impact of that in, you know, sales when you're not doing something that's so cutting edge or like saying that, that beautiful strangeness. And that's like, I think that it's a really great thing because you can have so much play while also making money, you know, you can also keep your business going with, you know, the ways that you can play with something that's kind of like, you know, kind of a very different vibe, or you're, you're playing with something that's very kind of eccentric, or something that you wouldn't normally do, or maybe something that you want to wear, like, once or twice, and just have that be like your statement, you know what I mean? And then you can also have your like, kind of everyday bum around clothes that like you love and have a really beautiful silhouette, but you can buy them time and time and time again and know that they're not too eccentric or too this or too that, which I see a lot of people wanting to not go outside of that because they want their clothes to be something that they can wear every day. And, you know, if you buy something that's super statement, you know, I, I think that we all three of us enjoy that, but there are a lot of people that don't want to buy something that's super colorful or super punchy because that means that they can't wear it every day. I hear that like all the time here. It's like, oh, well, I would have bought that, but like, I just don't know what I'd wear it with. Or uh, like oftentimes people don't know what to do or how to play in fashion. It's nice. I was listening to y'all's podcast with Rebecca Minkoff and she was talking about, you know, her bread and butter being this, this, that, you know, with handbags. And then outside of that, she can have fun with like the 5% of romance, I think she called it within her business where she's doing something that might not be like the most like financially lucrative like thing, but it does put an edge to her company and it makes her company kind of like stand out from the next. And that's why people continue to go back to her and why her brand is so successful. So I think it's like, you know, kind of, there are no rules. There's kind of a free for all. You can be as creative as you want to be as artistic as you want to be. But ultimately, it's about like doing what you want to do and doing it well. The beauty, I think, of your brand is that every piece is special. There's personality in every single piece. And I can say this just from a consumer standpoint. You've kind of changed my fashion sense because 
the more pieces I collect from your brand, the more my everyday look looks a little bit more colorful and a little bit more playful. And that's become my new standard. And that's really cool. I can play with, you know, a really timeless, beautiful, just like simple pair of jeans. But I know if I'm going to put a top on from you or a jacket from you, then all of a sudden my look is just incredibly elevated. And I'm like going to carpool, you know, (laughs) this is so cool that all of a sudden my, my everyday fashion is fashion instead of just kind of like this afterthought, which I existed in that place for a long time. I think it's really interesting what you're talking about, about like having a bread and butter piece, like as part of your brand, like when starting a brand, like having something that you know will will sustain your business and then kind of play around that. It makes me think about Gucci again. Like I'm sure they probably sell a lot more Dionysus bags and like wallets than they do one-eyed like Cyclops you know, ski masks, <laughs> but like people are talking about the ski mask. Cause like, it's so crazy and nobody's ever seen that before. And I can't believe he sent that down the runway, et cetera. So I think like the relevancy of your brand probably comes from those like play outside the box pieces. And then the, you know, financial side of the brand is like sustained through those Something classic, like bread and butter, more comfortable pieces. Because I think at the end of the day, people do want like, especially if you're buying from a sustainable brand, which I think sustainability has become like a new luxury. I think people want to buy something that they know they can wear every day. And I think that's like the bread and butter piece is something that probably most people are going to feel comfortable wearing everything. But also Catherine's a businesswoman. She's a boss. And that's, you know, you're constantly having to balance. I know when we talk about stuff, you're always like, well, how much is that going to cost? (laughs) So it's like, yeah, it's, this is not an ego thing. Mm -hmm. This, This is a real business. You're the CEO and you have to make those, you know, balanced decisions daily. Like, okay, I love this, but in the end, is it going to make economic sense for my company? If the answer is yes, then you do it. If it's not, then you're like, no, cut the cord, you know? Or like how much you do that within reason, you know, because what you were saying, kid, about like the, the pieces that kind of build the mysterious element of your brand or make your brand something that's noteworthy or relevant, like, you know, increasing your relevancy or whatever, that's all very important. And in the beginning, you're not necessarily thinking about that because everything you're doing is new for you. But when somebody's shopping a brand, they're shopping the lifestyle, like they're shopping the lifestyle that is being put out there by that brand. You want to buy this because you will feel like all of these people in our ads feel in these pictures that you're looking at and you're like, Oh, I want that. I want to look like that. I want to feel like that. I want to go there. And so it's that whole, you know, stepping into the environment and you do have to focus on that. You have to invest in that. And it's not, it's so much more about investing in the way that you're going to bring your product forth versus the product itself. Yes. The product itself is incredibly important. The quality is important. I knew for me and my brand sustainability was very important because I didn't want to continue to grow. I knew I was going to grow and I didn't want to continue to grow and put just crap out there that was going to get tossed after a second or third wear and end up in a landfill somewhere. I just did not want to, I couldn't have that on my conscience. But, you know, financially, it is, it's so costly to start a brand, especially with a very expensive material. And in the beginning, we had so many questions like, why is your, why are your jeans priced at over $200? And I'm like, I will spend all day long explaining this to you. I want you to know that when you buy a pair of jeans from us, you will have it in 10 years. You're not going to have it for a year and then you're going to toss it and it's going to end up in the ocean. Like you, you know, you have to invest in things that are going to give you that longevity and fashion. And I feel like when you break it down on those terms, people start to understand, oh, I'm going to spend $250 one time 
versus $50 10 times. You're actually saving money in the long run. I digress. <laughs> no, that's good. I want to talk about like ways that you find influence and inspiration that eventually comes into your brand and like because your whole lifestyle is kind of channeled into work and 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 that work can like permeate to other places like you love to surf and so you created wetsuits to surf in and you know that's all work but it's play for you so it doesn't I'm sure it doesn't feel like work when you're surfing yet you're like able to take a picture and promote the fact that you're you know you've made these wetsuits like where do you find inspiration outside of work to bring that into your work well I mean it's just it's just like you why you started your company you know it has to be authentic and you have to be creating because you have a passion for the product or the lifestyle or just creativity in general and then I think just really expansive thinking I know I was telling you this story, but how I lay like wake up super early and I imagine my whole co- collection on the ceiling in my bedroom, just like in Queens Gambit, yeah. you know, where I see, I can see the whole thing. Like it just appears, boom, like things just ruminate for a while. And then, you know, it all kind of becomes one vision eventually, mm-hmm. which I know sounds crazy. And I, no, it doesn't sound like it's really hard for a creative mind to explain where, where they the- get their inspiration. Cause like I definitely have more of a logic brain. I don't have like visions when I wake up in the morning. <laughs> and I think like for me, it's more about like, looking at trends or looking at like physical data and then thinking about like the business side of things rather than rather than like having just like a idea out of like (laughs) you're making it sound like I'm a crazy person (laughs) (laughs) like I'm having delusions or something no I just like can't I think it's so hard for somebody who is as gifted as you in the creative sense to explain like where those things come from. When you're running a brand, I think that it's really important for both of those to work in tandem with one another. And I think that it's really rare that somebody can do it equally well. And that's one of the challenges that I found about my brand because I am less logical. I'm less about data. I'm more emotional. I love, you know, I don't see full collections. I am so jealous of you that you do. (laughs) I wish I could have that, but I do see, you know, I I do see a a product. I'm like, this is what I want to make. And I know exactly how it should look. I know how it should fit and I know how it should feel. So that's what I can do. I I kind of, and that's what we have always done. We've gone on like a one-off basis. We just roll out. We don't do full collections. And I do see, and I've, and this has taken me a long time to admit, but when you need other people who do what they do well to work with you, it's an investment that always pays off in the long run and will make you more so your company can grow. And when you're in the beginning, you're like, and I like was atrophying for a while because I was so nervous to spend more than I was making. And I didn't want to like burn out emotionally. I didn't want to burn out financially. But I decided that where I was making my financial investments and who I was hiring, like you, Kit, for instance, you're saying you have a more logical brain and you love numbers and you love to look at trends in fashion and you are creative. I follow you and I know you. I, you're incredibly creative. But you, if, you, if you have that numbers brain, you're going to be such an asset to somebody who has a more like emotional, more creative style because then you can work in tandem and you can make more money. You can build your business. So I think that that's like one of the really, really interesting notes about coming up and creating a business and being a business owner is never be afraid to invest in people who do things better than you do. Yeah. Don't think that you can do it all. Yeah. No. And it's more fun too. It's more fun to have community. Yeah, definitely. 
it's so important to have like a good group of even when you're starting out Is like a Josh? good group of we <laughs> hi (laughs) oh my gosh i knew somebody was going to be creeping in on the back here i just wasn't (laughs) sure if it was going to be a big person or a teeny tiny toddler (laughs) so cute what about technology what about this this world of like influencers versus like digital marketing and and paying to play and real organic, like wanting to post about somebody's business, like all of that is very interesting to me. Like, because I know that this is definitely a climate of paying for posting about product, paid influencers, and that being a real career now, which is really cool. You know, there's such a life that people can have a professional existence on, on these digital f- platforms. But how important is it to you to invest there? versus just rely on your your fans, the the people that support your business to do it organically in a, like an emotional fashion. I mean, I guess just going back to quickly to like working as a team, it's like the energy that you get from working as a team and like a collective, everyone bringing something to the table. I feel like it's the same thing in a marketing sense where it's just like a collective energy that you get from your audience and from people who understand the brand and, and appreciate the brand and the broader you can cast that net, you know, the bigger the audience, the more, you know, and they, they all feed up off of each other then too. So I think it's really just like a whole new way to think about, I think, you know, like when I was starting out, PR was the most important thing. And oh my God, if you could get, you know, a a magazine or a newspaper or something to write about you, it was like, you just jumped up the ladder in your career. And now it really is so much more important that you have a loyal, excited audience surrounding you that can also help you make decisions, you know, mm-hmm. like w- we ask sometimes, like, should we do this in another color? And we get idea, you know, people put in their, oh, yeah, people will tell you what they want. Yeah. And we do it for a podcast too. It's like, w- what do you guys want to hear about? And that's so exciting. And that's something to, re- I think, to really invest time. And if it takes money, then invest m- what you can and, you know, grow that conversation that's what I think you do so so well as like you know I don't I, I I don't know when I was coming up and I was idolizing certain people and like really admiring people's work and how they were going about doing it and how successful they had become doing what they love I don't know what I thought that you did once you arrive at a certain place of like success whatever that elusive term really means we don't know anymore but you know, when you're able to do what you want to do in your life, we'll just say it that way. Like, I don't know, I I just had this idea that you kind of graduate out of certain things, like certain jobs within your, your, your job. What I love about you, Cynthia, is that you always come back to like, the nuts and bolts of what you're doing and how, and how you want people to feel in the clothes. And, and I always feel that whenever you're like, Oh, what if we did this? What if we, you know, that collab that you did with Roxy and the event that you threw with Roxy was like genius. People had so much fun and it was all about like the product and feeling good and living in the product. And as a result, you had a bunch of really excited people around, you know, mm-hmm. the event that, that we were, you know, planning in LA, the, the, the horseback riding, it was like, how do you create something that's accessible to people, people that people would do every day And, you know, something that's like, not too special to write home about, but you're doing it in the product and you're doing it with a great group of girls around. And all of a sudden there's this life that's just breathed into an event and it makes people want to wear the clothes. It's like really genius. And it, and it kind of crosses all of these like emotional and ultimately it's for the greater good of building the brand up continually every single day and like really walking the walk. And I don't know, I just always get really inspired by that. It's not, it's not about 
running the business from like a financial standpoint. No, I have to be up here while everybody else is like, kind of like doing all the fun and creative stuff. It's like, no, that the creativity starts with you, the brand, the, the lifestyle starts with you. And even you telling me that you're like, you know, taking pictures just wherever you go and carrying a change of clothes, just so you can throw on a different change of clothes, <laughs> like get a picture somewhere. You're embodying your brand wherever you are. And Kate, you're so good about doing the same thing. Like you're, you blow my mind and just like how easy it looks for you to like document your life in a really beautiful, very organic way. And you always look killer. You're just always like, you you know, putting out this vibe, this like kind of lifestyle that people want to emulate. Um, Mm -hmm. like, and it's not contrived. It's very organic. So I think that you just have have to think about like what you want to do in your free time. Like, what do you like to do for fun? You know, Mm -hmm. and basically I know you're the kind of girl that will try anything. So that's what you want your audience to be like too. Like no one wants to just stand around at a cocktail party. Like if you have the opportunity to, go horseback riding sick yeah, you know, yeah. Or, yeah. or go, go ski, snowboarding or surf camp or whatever it is like you want to have a memorable experience yeah totally. and I do think like I've always said that your clothes are like a scrapbook you know your closet is like a scrapbook and your clothes hold so many memories and so I think we as creators and business people need to be always thinking like, are we creating memories for people in the Mm. club? And what can we do to, you know, put that out there? I love that. I love that because I know, I know from doing, it's like when you put on a good, put on something, a good outfit or something that makes you feel really good. It's almost like it makes your day better. It makes you want to do something to live up to the vibe that you're feeling in your outfit. And that's what I think is the best part about fashion. I really do. And I don't come from fashion. My background is not in fashion, but I have an appreciation for it. And, and just that it's like creating these memories for people. That's such a great note. Okay. One more thing that I want to ask you about before we wrap this up, because I'm Wait, okay, we're supposed to be asking you questions. I, know, I can't help it. I just, I have to ask this because my biggest challenge in the last two years, which I've only been in business since 2018, I still consider myself very, um, you know, a very, it's a, still a very young company. I had two babies kind of back to back in that time. So now not only is my business my baby, but I also have two actual babies. And how did you, how did you do it in the beginning? How did you have a brand and kids at the same time? It's so gnarly. (laughs) How did you do it? Sometimes I wonder myself, actually, I'm not really sure, but. Well, I kind of feel like at the time that you raise it, especially me, because I'm a little bit older at this point, but like when you were doing that, it was just like, no one was talking about it. You know, like now I feel like in interviews, like you get this question so often, but at the time it was just like, okay, I could either give up my business and like be a stay at home mom, or I'm going to have to do like, I'm going to have to do this. Like there's not there. I feel like it wasn't because it wasn't talked about as much. It was kind of just expected for you to like stay crushing it at work and also like (laughs) be this amazing mom. So I don't know if you felt like that, but like, I feel like it was kind of just because no one talked about it. It was like, I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know if I, I just did the best I could. I really was, I try to be super organized, but like, I don't know if I'm that organized. I try, I, I mean, the most important thing was that when I was with the kids, I was hundred percent present like the craziest, like we were on, we were on a play date together. That's how it it felt to me. You know, like I just, when I'm with them, I was a hundred percent with them. And, you know, I would go to work and do what I had to do and power through and then just like come home and, you know, be, be a mom. And that's all, you know, I think it's just a little bit of compartmentalizing, 
but also including them in work things and trying to take them with me as much as possible. If I had to travel, I would take them. Yours are, yours, your girlies are too little. Like yeah. but when they get a little bit older, it'll be fun for them to see you work hard and see the pleasure you get from your work. And they'll think of you as a role model. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I think, you know, nobody's a superhero and you just do the best you can and try to help. I think that's a really important, important thing to keep in mind is when you're with your kids, you're a hundred percent with them. And of Mm -hmm. course your mind is going to be on, Oh, did that thing get delivered? Oh, did that thing, you know, are we on time? Are we on track? You know, it's easy to think about it, but, um, but to try and just like be in the moment as best you can, because when you're at work, you're a hundred percent at work knowing that you're going to go home and you're going to be able to be a hundred percent mom at home. Yeah, isn't that fun? Oh my God. The most fun ever is with your kids. My mom asked Gigi and I recently, like, what do you, do you feel like I was really there when you were growing up? And we were like, well, obviously, you know, you were running a business. And so sometimes you would have to like go out or, you know, be at work until 10 p.m. like during fashion week or whatever it is. But like at the end of the day, I'm so happy that I grew up with a mom that was working so hard and, you know, like working towards her own success and had something that like she was really proud to show us and let us in on because that is like my goal for my life now. And I had such an amazing role model to like look up to growing up is like some to have somebody to have a mom and this is not to say like being a stay-at-home mom isn't an impressive job but it is to say like growing up with a mom that had her own business and was an entrepreneur and was so passionate about something like that is something that my sister and I will now like have an amazing guideline and like have an amazing mentor as well as mom in one. It's about the passion, right? It's like, if I'm Mm -hmm. going to be invested in whatever this thing is, if it's, if it's not work, if it's, I love blowing the leaves off the driveway every day, I can't get enough of it. It (laughs) I love it. Like just your kids being able to see you get stoked about something and be like totally passionate and like loyal to that stoke, it like creates something in your kids. I can already see, like I, you know, I, I'm, I have a lot of creative, you know, creative outlets or whatever. I, I love to take pictures and I see my, my three-year-old loves taking pictures now. And I think she's just trying to like emulate me when she does. Yeah. And it's so cool to be like, Oh, she sees that you can have an interest and you can, you can do it. You can do it in your off time. You can do it when you wake up in the morning and you're just sitting there eating Cheerios and you can grab your camera and just take a picture of the Cheerios. You know what I mean? It's like, so it's, it's, I I think that it's setting a really good example. It doesn't have to be necessarily work or running a business. It can be whatever it is in your life that you want to feel passionate about and fight for every day. Yeah. And it doesn't even have to be one thing. Like you're doing, you have your brand and your company, but you're taking pic- like amazing pictures it was a cover of men's journal yeah and but purely based on that it's like these opportunities are coming purely because you're you know you're loyal to your art in whatever way you know it feeds me like my, me asking you what do you love to do that like funnels into the inspiration you take into your business that like helps me you know it's like going to a spa for some people for me it's taking pictures and so it's like how do you keep your engine revved yeah um, and it looks, it's like manifested so differently from person to person. I wish that like my engine was revved and like being on social media and like, you know, promoting my business. I feel like my, my, you know, that is a tool that I really wish I had in my box. You know, I work on it every day. It's very hard. It's not second nature for me. Um, Circle back to delegation. Yeah, yeah. totally. That's exactly right. I did want to say, the whole thing about your photography, your brand, blowing the leaves, those are all things like the, I think the really important thing to instill in your kids and in your, your life with your kids is curiosity. 
you want them to have that sense of wonder about even the smallest things and be curious to see how many different, you know, outlets there are for creativity too. I think that that's kind of important. So, okay. So just to wrap it up, this is the one question we ask all our guests. What do you want to be when you grow up? Oh my gosh, you. No. <laughs> like, um, what do I want to be when I grow up? Oh my gosh, what a great question. This sounds, this is probably the cheesiest answer, but it feels the, the truest. I studied in Italy when I was in college and I went on a little day trip myself into this tiny little village in Italy outside of Florence. And I saw at this cafe, this woman, this older woman, and she was sitting there with all these little kids running around her. And she just looked like she had lived a hundred thousand lives. And she just had kids running around and she was happy, but she was kind of, she was kind of hard on them in a way, but it was all out of love. And just, just, you could just tell that like her cup was just running over every single day. And I think that I want to be her. Like, I just want to, I want to get to a place where I know that I'm exercising all of my creativity in the ways that I funnel it out every day and, and know that I'm like being loyal to my own drive and curiosity and love for life. And I also want to be a badass mom and just super present, super caring. I want to grow an amazing family. And I just, I, I think that that's my idea of perfection of like really having a happy family around me and also having kind of this stoke around work. And I don't know if I'll ever like arrive at that place because it changes every day. You know, your, your vibe is changing, like people's schedules. It's like, it's a very like heady thing trying to like grow anything. But at the end of the day, I think I just want to be very creatively satisfied both in work and family. Beautiful. Amazing. (laughs) Thank you, Catherine. Thank Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to do this. I just love y'all's podcast. I love y'all's vibe. I love your your mother-daughter relationship. It's so inspiring for me. I just can't wait. Yeah. (laughs) You have it already. I know. (laughs) I see it. Hope you guys love this episode and thanks so much to Ginny Media for our audio production. All right. So I'm so happy that you guys got to listen to our stories today. As always, you can follow us on social media and keep up with our work and our crazy adventures. Then you can follow us on Instagram at Cynthia Rowley and at Kit Keenan. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 